It's that time of the week again. It's that time when the latest episode of Digital Kill the Radio Star drops. Drop! It's time to waste another hour or so with David and Chris as they spout out more of their worthless music knowledge. It's time to hear them discuss the music of their youth. As well as the music of today. So kick back, relax, and have some fun with David and Chris. Digital Kill the Radio Star starts right now. (laughs) Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Digital Kill the Radio Star podcast. This is David. I have my buddy Chris on the phone. Chris, last time we talked, well, not last time we talked, last time we saw each other, we were in St. Louis backstage uh, interviewing Michael Graves. Have you come down from Cloud Nine yet? Um, not really. No. <laughs> no, it's funny. No, actually, I've just, uh, that was cool, man. We've got a lot of good response on that one, man. People were just talking about how good it was. And I, I always tell people, it, it, was, it wasn't us. That was Graves, man. That, that dude just opened up and would answer anything and <laughs> would go on for a while, which is what we love. Yeah, I saw uh, Brian Fallon uh, last week in New Orleans. I was talking to his drummer, and I gave him our, our card for our podcast. It's like, if you ever want to come on and talk music, you know, give, give us a call. And I was like, he's like, oh, who all have you had on us? So we had Michael Graves last week, and his eyes lit up. So uh, that was a pretty cool get. Uh, I do want to tell you before we get going today to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed. Subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud to the podcast and like us on Facebook. Leave us a, um, uh, a review on iTunes or Facebook, and uh, Chris and I will put something nice in the mail to you uh, for doing that. That really helps us out. So Chris lined up uh, a really good interview um, for us this week. And if you listen to our podcast, you know we have very eclectic taste. Uh, you know, we've talked about Sunvolt, Wilco, Uncle Tupelo, Metallica, Guns N' Roses, R.E.M., you know, Gaslight Anthem, everything and everything in between. And we truly have uh, a guy from a band today that in a time when everybody tries to pigeonhole everybody and box everybody in saying, you know, this is an alt-metal band or this is an alt-country band or this is, you know, a, a blues band, uh, this is a band that's really uh, you can't say that about, and it's uh, it's very refreshing to hear something uh, this new and, uh, and and really this new and creative. So uh, Chris is the one that lined up the interview, so I'm going to throw it to Chris and let him introduce our guest. Yeah, well, just a real quick backstory. This, um, and I think I told our guest this that I think I may have told him this before. I uh, my cousin and I have been making this annual trip to. Uh, to New York. He lives in Dallas. I'm in Memphis and we fly up and meet there every year. We don't get to see each other very often. And we always plan our trip around a, I mean, we're music. He's a music dork just like we are. So we always plan our trip around going to see somebody, you know, somebody usually somewhat of a name. Um, and then we try to find 
other shows while we're there. You know, at least try to hit one other one. And not much was going on this time. We were actually going to see, we saw Ryan Adams at the Beacon. And we were trying to find something else, somebody else to see. So one night, I'm just laying on the sofa, just looking through what's coming up, what's going to be playing up in, in New York. And, you know, this is an interesting band name. And the band was called Astronoid. I played it. And I was like, what the hell is this? And in a good way. And I sent it to my cousin. It's like, look, man, I'm not, he's not really into to metal. He's just into good music. And I sent him this text like, hey, check out this band. I'm not saying we have to go. They're playing Brooklyn. And he replied, I sent the video for this. The band's called Astronoid. Sent a, sent the video for Up and Adam. And he replied in like probably just a few minutes. He went, dude, we've got to go to this. So um, that being said, today we have the guitarist from the band Astronoid. We have Casey Elward with us. Casey, Greetings, what's going on, Matt? Yeah, so happy to be here, first of all. Wonderful intro. And uh, if if we were the band that you chose to see immediately following a Ryan Adams concert, then I feel just honored. Yeah, well, actually, you were the, the warm-up, man. You were the night we got in. So that's almost even better. You oh, we were, got, so we were before Ryan Adams. Sit, yeah, that's, that's settled perfect. into the that's city. Perfect. I love it. Yeah. Now, I can't place this in the timeline because life's insane but was this on the prisoner tour or was this on the tour before that for ryan adams this was this was prisoner yeah oh awesome yeah and it was man it was a it was a great great show man i've seen him i've seen him a few times and it was by far the best show i've seen by him i love um, ryan adams yeah he's playing yeah, it, it was just a cool theater too i don't was know it the beacon theater yeah have you been well you're you're from where are you you're, you're in are you boston area I'm from Massachusetts, yeah, so we're okay. very close to Boston. Yeah, so I don't know if you've checked out the Beacon, but that was a killer venue. Yeah, we haven't had the pleasure of playing the Beacon yet. I don't want to say we'll never play the Beacon, but uh, no. I, did you see us at Vitus, or did you see us at the Knitting Factory? Knitting Factory. Okay, cool. We were just talking about that show the other night. I have a tour journal um, of all the shows I've played since 2012, and... Um, Things just got not crazy enough around here for me to complete the journal up to this day. And uh, when I write the journals out, I write, you know, the, the date, the where we're playing, who we played with. And then I always leave a line under about um, if anything extraordinary happened during the show. And it's funny because I just did that Knitting Factory show and I wrote under it that that was our first out of town headliner show that I was kind of like, wow, like, that, I mean, let's, I'm not going to be disingenuous about this we didn't sell the place out it wasn't like packed to the gills but we had at the end of the night it was like 170 paid and i was like whoa it was like the first show that i was like wow this is cool yeah the crowd was really into it too man really into yeah. it and then you guys just that's the thing about this band we're going to get into a little bit more about the band and the band sound and where it comes from but just the, the energy on stage too is what blew me away and uh the three guitars is just insane i mean who does that maiden uh, yeah, um. <laughs> maiden doesn't even do it uh like thin lizzie like no it's 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 definitely um it it definitely i think more than anything about our band when people see three guitars they're like oh well this isn't gonna work and they're like oh not everyone's playing lead guitar there's a there's a space and a and a purpose for all of this and i think that that's a lot of times what people end up saying at the end of the show and that's uh i like that i dig that 
Yeah, well, David, man, I'll let, let, let you get us started. Okay. All right, Casey, so uh, it's a tradition here whenever we have somebody on our podcast, we ask them the same first two questions. So, oh, boy. Um, what is your earliest memory of music, and who was the first band that you really, uh, you know, that really kind of hooked you in for life being a music fan? Hooked me in for life. Ooh. That's inter- I, I suppose I have a roundabout but interesting answer for this because I have to split it in two camps. And it, it will definitely answer both questions, but it might not completely satisfy it, but I'll throw it to you guys. Okay. Um, the first music that I ever remember that moved me, I was in a car with my father. God, it must have been 1993. 1992. It's one of my earliest memories, and he was listening to uh, Credence, and um, I don't know if it was um, Have You Ever Seen Rain or Bad Moon Rising, but I was like, whoa, this is like really captivating music, and I was like, well, this is awesome. I don't want to say, Credence is still one of my favorite bands ever, but that didn't necessarily cement me into music, but um, I have the typical like older brother story where I had two older brothers and kind of at the same time, um, they got two cassettes and one of them was 10 by Pearl Jam and the other one was Green Day, uh, Dookie and they would go off to school and one of my older brothers was doing like drumline or whatever, but he left his sticks and I put in the cassette of Dookie and I started um, hammering on things in our room and the babysitter took the drumsticks away and the cassette tape. So those, I think, I think I was hooked on music then, but again, another older brother story, uh, there was a mixtape being passed, passed around on CD, you know, when people still made mixtapes and I'll never forget on that, um, mixtape was rancid, bad religion and no effects. And I was like, Holy shit. I'm fucking it all the way. 100 percent and uh that those those bands and we'll probably get into it later for asteroid but that that kind of epitaph fat records um socal punk scene although it might not seem like it in any band i'm in is like the definitive um kind of propulsion for me to be in music still today you know like despite all the metal, despite all the virtuosic guitar, like heroes I have, it's like that it's, uh, it, I always go back to Epitaph records, um, fat records, that kind of stuff. Like, Ooh, baby really fucked me up. So you, w- would you say those were your early influences? Yeah. I mean, but, but if you ask me what the first CD I ever bought was with my own money, it would be, um, God, it, the first the first cassette tape I ever got with my own money was Janet Jackson, but right after that was Blink One Eighty Two. So it's like this amalgamation of because I couldn't buy um, I couldn't buy No Effects records or cassettes or Blink One Eighty Two records because they were all parental advisory and I was you know nine years old. So I couldn't buy those on my own yet, but I was they were always like. They were, they were the thing that were just out of my reach, but luckily with the CD that my older brothers had, I had access to that still, you know? So, 
Yeah, plus there's something about you know record store clerks and all that. They probably just don't really want to sell a little kid a, a you know an album that has a kid you know stroking a pet on it or a, a zoom. Yeah, well, oh, I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, it's did you did you ever see what their campaign was for that? And Brett Gerwitz has gone on record today when Heavy Pennington came out uh, as a promotional item. They released blow up lamb dolls and like obviously Offspring and Rancid have already made them like like just dump trucks full of money but they were like yeah we regret that promotional item and i always think that's the funniest thing ever like, <laughs> I, think I, I think i have heard of that yeah it's, it's such an inappropriate thing but it's completely fit so yeah I, well i couldn't buy some of those unfortunately parental advisory stuff um not because my parents wouldn't let me have it because like people wouldn't sell them to you um if anyone can remember that i mean i know i'm dating myself and you stick to the more mainstream stuff for at least a few years uh, personally, but no, I had ties to all that epitaph and, and, and fat record stuff very early on, which I'm insanely grateful for. Well, you know, the thing is, though, you're talking about the going, you couldn't, you couldn't get them because of the parental advisory, but the, you know, I, I don't care. People can laugh at me all they want. Those first couple of Blink records are good. And I think that's no, the I don't know. I, I don't think that anyone would. All right. So there's a couple of factions, but I remember when I was a when I was, I mean, this is, Dude Ranch came out in 97, which would have put me at eight years old, and then Adam at the State, which would have put me at 10 years old, and um, my brothers at the time, um, who are five and six years older than me, we were, uh, my friends and I were all into those records while getting into other things at the time, and because of their, like, it wasn't meteoric if you look at the timeline, but into the mainstream, it was meteoric, like, all of a sudden, it was all the small things, this and that, and we caught a lot of flack for liking that band, but then turn around and see them release Untitled or, um, um, yeah, Untitled in 2003. And, you know, they have Robert Smith on there and, and, and they're still the biggest band in the world. Like, I think history has looked back on them despite uh, Tom DeLonge's alien uh, company <laughs> pretty favorably. <laughs> so I don't, I, I think, I think history has looked back at them um, very well. And not to mention, I mean, you can talk as much shit as you want. Like, yeah, Green Day ripped it open in 94 and Offspring before them and Rancid at the same time. But if you can find a, a, another band that formed more bands because of them just being a band, I'd be sitting here and waiting for you to name another band because it hasn't happened. You know what I mean? Like, it's that, that, that band's impact will... I'm surprised their records aren't being shot into space. And Tom would have it that way, too, so... No, you're probably right, too, because they were... You know, I mean, they simplified things so much. I mean, not that, you know, like you said, Green, uh, Green Bay was doing it, too, but just... I don't know. I mean, it's not that they're not... I mean, they're they're decent. You know, they're pretty decent musicians, but it's not like they were playing the most technical music. I mean, I think people thought... You know, kind of like the, like people talked about the Velvet Underground. They thought, well, I can do so that. So, that, that, that was my other example. I mean, generations and generations and generations before that, I mean, you had... Velvet Underground, the famous saying is that Velvet Underground never became big, although Lou Reed did have whatever career he had. They said that every person that listened to Velvet Underground went to start a band, and later they would also say that about the Pixies, where the Pixies probably had a little bit more mainstream notoriety than the Velvet Underground, but they say the same thing about the Pixies. Like, every, every person that heard that band started a band, and Blink was no exception, and I know that for a fact because I lived it. I remember kids would take Blink songs and write their own songs to the songs, you know, and and um, 
it's just a wild thing to live through. Actually, if we're being honest, 1997 to 2003 for music in the underground was a wild thing to live through, but it was awesome. Yeah, and we'll, we'll round back to some of this music too as we go through. We're just but just kind of getting back back to your music. So, you know, you're I know I go I go I go on tangents. So, oh no, that's cool. I mean, we're the same way. That's why we do this. You know, because yeah. we're two guys that love just talking music. But you know, so you mentioned before we actually started recording that you um, the band you were touring in before Asteroid, that uh, Net Viscar. I've, I've checked out a lot of your guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so is that really your first, I guess, professional band? Um, band? yes, I would say so. I, I did tours before that, but it was more like your friends getting in the band and, um, and, and doing like that. We all have jobs, but we have vacations, so we're doing this. But yeah, I would say that in this car was my first, I quit my job for that band and we did, we did the damn thing for a while, man. Well, did you, yeah. you, you played bass in that band, correct? Yeah, so... The story with that net is, um, to tie it to Astronaut, is that Brett recorded their first demo in first full length. And we've been friends with those guys forever, and they had trouble keeping drummer and bassist, blah, blah, blah. And they'd always asked me to be in it in some way, but it wasn't until, you know, had some stuff going on at home that was prohibiting me from really making the jump. So when the time is right, right after their first tour with after their uh first full length came out um they approached me again and the time is right and jumped in the band i was playing bass um which was it was an interesting thing because i've i mean i've played guitar since i was um 12 or 13 years old but i think i was so ready to get on the road and play real shows and play with real bands and and just immerse myself into that um lifestyle that bass was I didn't even think twice about it so I mean you know uh, Zach Myers in Shinedown he originally joined that band as a bass player and then transitioned to guitar is, is that kind of what you did um with that specifically on the record that we released I it was me and the guitarist writing on guitars in our practice space because the singer and guitarist was living out in Austin, Texas. So even in that, while I was playing bass, I was still writing on guitar and I actually ended up recording some guitar on the record. Um, so it, it, while live, my duty was bass, um, guitar has always been a factor in any band I've ever been in. Um, but if you're, if you're talking about like being, and then, and then we lost our lead singer and we went on to, dropped Viscar, which was Vatnet, and um, I became the lead singer and guitarist. Um, so that, that was just natural, because that's kind of my wheelhouse anyway, but for Asteroid, it was always um, it was always going to be on guitar the whole time. So, um, guitarist by nature, but I saw the opportunity, and I was like, of course, I'll play bass. And, um, and honestly, I played bass like a guitarist, so, <laughs> so it worked out. Well, you know, with that, and with, with Fan of Viscar, the stuff, you know, as I've listened to that, I mean, I, I know it's defined as black metal, but I, I guess it's not, for anyone listening, it's not black metal in the no. traditional sense. No, it's, uh, that's not It's mental, it's, it doesn't, it's not so extradal, um, it, it's not, it's not Hell Satan. Um, no, it's, you know, so, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's more of anything, um, we released a record in 2015 called Settler, and we were writing the music before any lyrics or vocals went over it. And of course, what went over it was harsh vocals. But if 
you really listen to your compositions without vocals on them, I mean, a lot of the music is, even though it has blast beats and tremolo picking, you it would fit right in on a Deftones record or it, like very heavy Cure influence. Like I had, I put so much chorus on my bass guitar, like. Like even like like you listen to like some Killing Joke songs and it's like that much chorus on um, on some of the parts and it's hard to discern because of when you put it all together. Um, but we always we always said if you strip the vocals off that, it's like it's very compositionally speaking. Um, the songs are very melodic and you're right. We didn't we didn't turn front and be like Hail Satan or like you know full nihilism, but it was it was. Um, part of the wave of the American black metal scene that these guys got swept into and uh, I don't think we ever fit into that but we were still making very aggressive cathartic music and uh, yeah I mean it was, a, it was a really fun time I'm super proud of that record and, and you know when you dropped it like you said when you dropped it to uh, just went to, went to Batnet and you took over on vocals man that is that is a killer record you know you took it on the vocals you got the clean vocals and you know definitely yeah. has more of the you can hear i can really hear your influences that in that record you know i know people probably I, I don't know this but i'm assuming people probably compared you to like the maybe the death tones which i hate comparing anybody to another artist but the one thing i would say that there might be some accuracy to that is i know that chino has said one of his biggest vocal influences is morrissey i mean you know, so, Something like metal, metal and Morrissey. Is that what you get? I mean, well, <laughs> having a Morrissey tattoo on my arm, which I'm sure I showed you in Memphis. Um, I, I mean, yeah, you're right. And if anyone's going to compare us to anything, the Deftones is that. And I take no offense, Deftones is one of my favorite bands. Um, but yeah, when you when you do mix heavy experimental music with clean vocals, there's only so many comparisons that you can draw from. But like. Yeah, there's, there's no secret about Chino's love for Sisters of Mercy or, or Morrissey or Smiths or Joy Division or anything like that. And I don't think that, I mean, I'm definitely not the exception to that because I love all those bands too, you know. Even like, even when you, I mean, we just talked about Lady too, but like a couple of bands I die on the hill for all the time. Uh, some of my favorite bands of all time are Alkaline Trio and AFI, you know. And I think that when you mix... And I wouldn't say that Alpine Show ever got heavy, but with AFI, they definitely had some very heavy material, but the, the combination of, you know, the emoting through the lyrics and the vocals, um, but just the overall, you know, I know you guys mentioned, you just had Michael Graves on last podcast. Um, you know, I think Skiba channeled so much of his lyricism through like a Morrissey filtered through like Danzig filter. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely and, agree. And, and same and, thing. And by the way, same thing with Davy though too. Oh yeah. Well, I heard. I, I I started. I got through a little bit of the Michael Graves, and I heard "Time to Waste" on the, the bumper music, and also AFI. And I was like, "Holy shit, man!" Um, now you heard I mean, "Dream Car," man. <laughs> oh, that's no. I'm sorry. That's right. No, I, I, I dude. I saw the I saw the first East Coast Dream Car show. They had two tour buses. They were at the Paradise Asteroids playing the Paradise in April, and I guarantee there's going to be more people there than Dream Car had, and I loved it. It was the fucking best. It was incredible. I love it. I love that record. You're right. I misspoke, but yeah, 
I'm a total I'm a total mark for Davey Havoc in anything that he does. So well, yeah, I, turned, I turned David on to the Dream Car record too. You know, new Wave uh, type sound in the Gothic. That's not necessarily always in his wheelhouse, but David, man, you fell in well, love with that one too. Oh, I, I we did I'm, our we did our uh, top ten albums of 2018, and Chris had it as his uh, number one album uh, of the year. And I was like, well, I've got to sit down now and just really take this in. So I, I went ahead and bought it. And, uh, man, I loved it for about a month. I didn't take it out of my CD player. And I've recommended it to a, a, a couple of other podcasts, actually. Uh, one in particular that's mainly a heavy metal podcast. And he was like, man, I never thought I would like that. And I absolutely love that CD. So Chris has turned on. They, they should send Chris a royalty check because he's, he sold at least like 10 copies. Same here, and I, someone texted me the other day, because we were talking about later, um, one of my friends from, he lives in Chicago now, we are talking about later era F- AFI, like uh, Crash Love or whatever, but he's like, hey man, I'm really digging this dream car thing, but he, he made a comment, because when, when Crash Love came out, like, Singasaro changed my life, changed my fucking life, and, um, and then when December Underground came out, I loved it. I, I absolutely loved it. I thought, like, I was like, wow, how did they make a record that was as good as Cena Sorrow? And then Crash Love comes out, which at the time I was disappointed at, but I've revisited it. And um, he, the, 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 the subject in question was, he basically tweeted, like, oh, I'm, I'm revisiting AFI back catalog. And while I love X, Y, and Z, I think Miss Murder is the worst song I've ever heard, which I got, I didn't even get a fight because he's my friend, but I was like, listen, like the fact that AFI is still a band is because of Miss Murder. So you have to acknowledge that. But with, with Crash Love, um, he was like, yeah, some of the, 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 the lyrics are a little, a little hokey, this and that. And I was like, then I put dream car into perspective. I was like, well, Davey did stint on Broadway. And I think that his lyrics changed from, like looking inside and being poetic about it, that I think he wanted to start writing more in a narrative, right? And in AFI, I don't think anyone was like, they were used to the imagery and all that, but like him writing like he was writing a TV show, right? Like with beautiful thieves or, or, um, and transmission, right? And by the time he got to Dream Car, those are just show tunes. They're new wave show tunes. And if you look at them through that lens, I think he, he pulls it off so well, and, and and with no doubt, minus Gwen as their their the bands, it's phenomenal. And it was a show, and it was oh yeah, I could I could gush about that forever. Man, I wish I could. I wish I had them. They didn't come anywhere near here. Dude, you know, I, was, I, doubt, I doubt they played a whole lot. The, no, they didn't. And and they played that show. And this is like obviously, I'm sure none of them need a dream car to support their lives because they're all very successful bands. They played that show like there was ten thousand people there. It was, it, it, but that's like that's what you want to see a band do. You know what I mean? And it was, oh, it was fantastic. And so, if it was your number one record, yeah, that's amazing. And Dave, yeah. uh, that you, uh, you don't mind if I call you David, David? Yeah. You don't mind Dave? No. Um, Everything shorthand here in Massachusetts. So, uh, well, uh, yeah, you, if you got turned on to it, that's like it, it's, it's an incredible record. But you, I think that you need to go into it not expecting like an AFI record. Well, yeah, I, if you know I told I, mean? I told Chris that yeah. if, I, if I had to re-rank my top ten, uh, I probably would have bumped Mastodon out of number ten and put uh, Dreamcart number two. See, um, Mastodon was my number one of last year. So. Oh, that's cool. 
That's cool. Yeah, I thought that was a good record. Well, getting back to getting back to what we were talking about with Vatnet, uh, when you guys changed your sound up a little bit, did that kind of alienate some of the fans that you already had? Um, we, it's it's tough because as I said, with the American wave of black metal, we never fit into that anyway. So we were never. Uh, you, you know what's funny about that? We even toured with every Swedish black metal band that people thought were the true guys. Like we toured with. 1349 in the the uh, new newer controversially uh, <laughs> uh, under fire band talk and um, many bands like that. So all these legitimate black metal bands were taking us out, and all these people were growing super resentful of that because it's like, well, we don't think you're black metal, but all these black metal, like legitimate black metal bands were taking us out on the road. So it was like this interesting juxtaposition, um, but. We just, uh, we, I don't know, we were a hardworking, like, aggressive, heavy band, so we didn't, we never felt like we were embraced by it, but we certainly didn't shy away from working within its, um, within its uh, boundaries or whatever. I don't know if that answers your question, but... No, it did. Were you guys able to tour much? It was just that net? Because I know you, so, were pretty much, you were pretty much doing the Astronaut thing most of the year, weren't you? So in between the transition from us doing the Vatnet record was when Asteroid and Air took off. Um, and while that was going on, while Asteroid was touring, um, oh, I remember your original question was Vatnet and Viscar able to, yeah, we toured basically straight for two years. Um, and then on the end of that is when our singer quit, when Chris and Seamus and I decided to forge ahead, still write music because we just signed a record contract so we're like well we got to deliver a record so we were writing that record in the winter um and that's when asteroid started to tour finally so by the time asteroid was done touring for the majority of that year into the summer is when the vatnet record came out and at the same time um i got a call to fill in and uh sing and play guitar for this um uh kind of metal metalcore band from um massachusetts called vanna they were doing their farewell tour uh so on the heels of that i did all those shows that net did a little stint in september with a band less art from the bay area who is like members of curl up and die thrice kowloon wall city and then and then we jumped into the animals as leaders periphery tour with the astronauts so um there was there was some scheduling stuff that didn't work out, and when Vatnet started to record the record, we um, gave our manager. I, I mean, I personally gave my manager my entire itinerary for the year, and I said, "Book anything in between this." Um, and it it's kind of a sad story, but you know, it takes a lot to live this kind of lifestyle, and I understand when sometimes things take off and you don't know if they were going to take off and I don't want to say anyone's resentful about it, but you know, your priorities shift a little bit and some things rise to the top. Some things aren't your number one priority and it just became a mishmash of, um, it's a lot of schedules to, uh, coordinate and, uh, run by everyone. And, uh, unfortunately because of that, that net, um, that net bowed out and I don't, um, I'm super proud of that record and um, the shows we did play, I'm happy with. And and I think it was a statement from a band on its last legs that fought so hard to get where they were. And you know what? 
sometimes sometimes that's what you do, you know. So So the so the band the, the band is officially done. Over yes. Okay. I would, yes. Well, so now we're now we're on just the asteroid and you know, you mentioned the record air, which you know, kinda as we started this uh podcast just talking about it's it is I mean it's really I would say it was one of my favorite it's been one of my favorite records that I've heard in the last few years. I mean certainly if you you know, certainly metal records, it's one of my favorites, period. And I, I think what just kinda it was just the style was so different. I know you, we we talked about yeah, death tones will do clean you know, it was kind of metal music and all, but no, this is like, this is more than just clean. It's kind of like soft vocals. Just, uh, I mean, something you could hear on XMU, you know, those types of vocals yeah. with, with thrash metal, you know, um, <laughs> at times thrash, at times just, uh, just prog metal. And I remember I, I told your, your singer, I told your singer, Brad, I was like, man, what you guys do, it shouldn't work, <laughs> but no, it does. No, it shouldn't. Yeah. Well, we talked about that a lot, too. Well, thank you, first of all. Um, No, it shouldn't work. And we it was funny because um, Air took a long time to come out. And it was written, uh, damn, I mean, it came out in 2016, but it really started in 2013. And the amount of songs that we went through before we got to where it was going to be, you know, and... um, the, the record is basically kind of recorded, and then we were like, no, we, we threw it all out, we recorded it, like, for real, and then, it, obviously, it came out, and we were, I mean, we were confident in it, because we knew we loved it, and we knew it was weird, and we didn't expect anything, no one was knocking down our door, no one was, everyone said the same thing, this is fucking weird, like, like it wasn't, like, the sensational thing, and then it came out, and it just kind of caught fire, we were all like, uh, like, very taken back by it but i think that um i think back to like 2013 like if we had released it then who knows if it would have worked if we released it now i mean 2018 who knows if it would have worked like i really do not to take it too much out of our hands but i don't know if i think it was right place right time if like i'm not saying the songs are any worse or any better but i i think that it just hit at the right time so I guess the sound just came about, though, just from all the different influences. Because, man, where that comes from is just, like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I could say it just really shocked me just when I, when I listened to it. And, I, I mean, the the drums well, that, just really get you, man. The fact that you, you're hearing, you know, just that pounding speed double bass, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's when I went, when I was talking about, like, the, fat, the whole Fat and Epitaph Records thing, I think that the spirit of that is very much alive in Astronaut. But we have... Like, that's, that's me and Brett, you know what I mean? Um, we're the punk rock guys for life. But then you, know, you have someone like Dan, who's, you know, classically trained pianist and, and, and classical guitarist. And then you start mixing those influences with, you know, our drummer Matt has a jazz composition um, uh, degree. And, and you, start, you start all of a sudden, like, you go from Fat Records, you mentioned you... You know, there's Devin Townsend, there's Deftones, there's Mastodon, there's, there's Yes, you know, I mean, and then there's like Cure, and then there's, you know, it's like you, you start to mix all these different things, and like, if I can say one thing about Air, it was like, because we didn't know what it was going to do, it was basically like writing songs that you wanted to hear, like filling the void and, and not expecting it to do anything, but like, okay, these are the songs that are 
you know, getting our blood pumping and, um, and taking a chance. And if anything, it's, it's, it's taught us to, in the, in the noise of everything that's happened the last few years is like, okay, so don't listen to anyone try to do it again. And like, and only write what you want to hear, you know, cause that seems, that seems to work. I guess it's a sense of freedom too. I don't know if you've heard of that guy, um, which is just hilarious. If, if either one of you guys listen to Wheeler Walker, you know what I'm talking about? Wheeler Walker Jr. He, I, what do I know? He was, he's, he's, he was country, on, country, but it's the he most just profane pod, stuff. Yeah, he, he just, he, he was just on a podcast I listened to. I can't figure out who I was listening to. Maybe it was Joey Diaz or Joe Rogan. Someone had Wheeler Walker on. Yeah, it's the it's dirtiest like, stuff you will ever hear. Yeah. I, heard on, I, I heard him, I think he was on Chris Shiflett's podcast, and he said he oh, made, that's making it, the that record. Was it. That yeah, he's it. making the that record. He said, yeah. "You know, I, I'm, I'm making these like," and I just was—he was trying to make sure he's making the right, like doing the clean thing, doing all. He was sticking to a formula. And he's like, what the hell does it matter? Nobody's ever going to hear it. And so he just start, so he, he gave him that freedom. And I guess that's probably you know not that y'all didn't think anybody would ever hear it, but you still having that freedom to do whatever you wanted. Well, we we didn't know that anyone would hear it, man. It's like, I like even though a lot of us had been in bands that had done. Not like things, but nothing like nothing that you could. I, I, it's like not. I'd go to a mall and be recognized. So you're just like you're like. It felt like square one again, and and then it just took off, and it was like very strange, and it was it was like we're a bunch, we're like the most unassuming guys ever, you know. And it's like then you're just thrust into the madness, and it's it it was it was it's crazy. Well, and that's you- exactly it. It's like you don't like you, but but you can't write. And I think a lot of bands do do this, which is why I bring it up. I think a lot of bands get not paralyzed by their formula, but they're, even though you create the band and, and you are responsible for the band's output, there is a point where um, a band's identity is completely formed around what they've already done, and then it becomes like, well, you have a huge following. Like, do you do more of what you've already done, or do you try to do you try to do other stuff you know um and and i think of bands like afi or op entry or the cure where it's just like these bands are at such long careers with such long different phases and it's like how do you know when to transition out how do you know when to satisfy people that listen to you how do you know when to completely you know say fuck it and do whatever you want and hope it works out and i think that all three of those bands are an example that have done all of that stuff to varying degrees of success of course they still have a career so it's been okay but um you know it's it's wild you know i know i went you saw us at memphis and that was a those are that was a cool show that was um that was uh tesseract yeah who was kind enough to take us out for a few dates which resulted us in this five-week tour that we're gearing up for right now um but we booked those gigs in between a couple of opening slots for the band ghost which we were like that was a holy shit moment for us because all of a sudden like that was that was in june i believe or july that was in july and that was a year and one month after we released air and all of a sudden we're in the Fillmore in philly playing to three thousand people and it's like like you know yeah i've been doing this for since i was 14 but nothing really prepares you for that moment and then like what do you do going forward you know and like it's, it's very strange well, were you were you thrilled to be back playing guitar when you you know when Asteroid got going versus the bass in Vastnet? Dave, let me tell you this: uh, guitar sets me free. Um, 
guitar is my life. It it's everything that I ever wanted. So yeah, like any like, but that's the thing too. Like even when I was in Fatnet, I was still playing guitar. Like it's my the guitar is like it's 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 my therapist. As corny as that sounds, I know it sounds so soft, but it's just like. It, I've I've arrived at this point in my life because of guitar, and it will certainly take me into you know wherever I'm going. It's just it makes sense to me. Well, since you guys have been touring so much, and you know you've you've been on these different packages, have y'all noticed that the fan base is growing? <laughs> yeah, we joke about it once in a while because this is the first band we've been in that anyone's like really cared about. Like, of course, we've been in bands that obviously people know or or will talk to us about, but, but it's to the point I was, my uncle came into town yesterday and, um, he's seen some of the earlier shows or whatnot. And, uh, my cousin, his daughter is, is she does, she does uh, theater in New York and she always obviously dresses up in costume and they're big productions and, you know, she can go into the crowd and like do whatever after cause it's unassuming. And it's funny cause like after these shows, it's like you go and you're like, you're just, I, well, let me, clear the air here i'm still just a normal person obviously asteroid's not a stadium band but you do you go out and and you do have people that you don't know that are there to see you and then and and sometimes know certain details of your life that you think only a personal friend would know or, or this or that and um so we see it grow every time which is crazy and the, and the one example i give is we played the wiltern in la with uh this past year with um I think it's in December with animals as leaders and periphery. And, um, it's a huge venue and it's amazing. It's historic and it's beautiful. And, um, the show sold out, but we were like, you know, it's not our tour. I know we're opening and we always aim to like, yo, let's go out and crush it and let's just see whose mind we can change. And it kind of fucks with your head when you, we walked on stage that night to a roaring applause and we were like, holy shit. Like it was, it was crazy. And I think that, that package together was just a great package for all the bands, but we are noticing like even something as stupid as mentioning like engagement on social media, where it's like we, we're even to the point where it's like you announce a tour and people are like, well, why don't you come here? Or like we have people driving hours and hours to see us and things like that. And we've had a few people take their kids and wear their first concert and, um, yeah, it's been very, very wild. I'm very grateful for it. Well, that's cool. And so now, you know, now the thing is you're opening for these bands, like you said, Tesseract, Periphery, and I'm sure now people are starting to come to where now they're coming to see your your band, you know? And that, like when you played in Memphis, I didn't come to see Tesseract. I came to see Asteroid. And if I'm being honest, I didn't know who Tesseract was. Yeah. So well, I know they've got a bit of a, I know they've got a bit of a following. I've learned that since, but I didn't know who they were. No, and I'd say that at, at the time, you you were the exception, but something strange happened in those months where where we would be on tour with bands or doing one-offs, and, and we would see that. Like, people would leave, or not a lot, obviously, because it's not our tour, but it, it it's we're noticing that kind of, and, and I'm not trying to be, like, big-headed about this. It's just, like, it was weird for me to talk about, too, but, yeah, we do see that, and, like, the merch table people want to meet us and and people people want to get the vinyl signed and that's like again we come from we used to play shows every week or every other week at vfw halls like we were very much like it was very 
we played in basements, you know, and, um, and to be in, in proper clubs or theaters and to have people care about your music, it's something that it's, um, it's wild. It's, 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 it's simultaneously everything you wanted, but it's also like, it's, you, you do feel this impact of a little bit of responsibility where it's, I don't know, it's fun. It is fun. It's weird though, because you're just like, I just want to have a beer with you. You want to have a beer? And they're like, can you sign this? I'm like, yeah, sure. What like, and then you, and then like you, like, I'm like, I'm, I, I'll get chatting about music or this or that. And then they're like, why are you talking to me? I'm like, oh, what? I thought we were just like chatting, you know? So, <laughs> you know. Yeah, well, it's cool too. I think it's cool that we would talk about these bands that you're opening for there, because you, know, you kind of wonder, you know, where does a band like Ashnoid fit in when it comes to packaging? I think whoever's done that, whoever's helped put you on these bills, I think has done a really good job because there are bands that you're, I mean, you're never going to fit right inside of a box with anybody. But, you know, I mean, I guess it be, might be a little bit more difficult to get you on with in front of just a pure metal band playing to the most diehard metal elitist. You know, that might not always be the easiest kind of like you've heard where Alice, where Alice and James opened up for what was that tour with Slayer and Megadeth and all those bands mm-hmm. and they had people just throwing shit at them the whole time um, but the thing about your sound that I think is I can see y'all, y'all can cross a lot of genres I mean it, it, you know, <clears throat> David and I were talking about this and I was like we were talking about it, I was like yeah, I, I don't think it would be crazy to see you opening for anybody from say My Bloody Valentine to Faith No More to Mastodon yeah you know I think you could find a fit in all of those. Yeah, cool. I mean, it. it I, I don't think you're wrong. We haven't been tested yet with like the pure metal elite, which is, um, which I mean, I think a few people in the band would consider themselves amongst, which is interesting because of the band we're in. But you know, we grew up. The first band that really blew our minds after the punk thing was at the gate. So you know, we went right from from skate punk to Swedish death metal. And I think that we, we fit right up the channel, but you're right. Like, I would say uh, Faith No More, uh, Mastodon, um, any of those bands, like, those are some of our favorite bands. My Bloody Valentine, like, Loveless, again, changed my life. I, they were, I, I call them my Radiohead because I don't love Radiohead, but they are so, like, I don't know, My Bloody Valentine led me to talk to twins who, you know, then I... I I uh, I got into Hum and I love Hum and like it's, I was listening to Hum the other day. Yeah, I mean, actually, it's funny. Vat and Viscar are rec- recorded our second record with Matt at or with 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 Sanford Parker at Matt's from Hum Studio, and Matt was there all the time. And that was like such a like an honor. Like a like got all the cool stories. Like he told the stories about No Doubt and Gavin Rosdale, and oh, it was amazing. But um. But yeah, I don't think that, A, we haven't been tested in, like, a really, like, we haven't been tested with, like, Slayer, you know. Um, but I don't I don't think we'll get those tours. But if you go on the other side of it, like, I don't think we'll ever get an Alkaline Trio tour. But I don't think it's, like, far-fetched to think that we could play with them as best as we could play with, like, a Mastodon or Coheed or, you know, name that band from, you know, any, anyone that's any sort of progressive uh experimental you Devin Townsend, anything like between the buried and me anything like that i think we'd fit um nicely with and that's not necessarily me soliciting um invitations from any of those bands but if you are listening keep us in mind um (laughs) but uh yeah i think it's it it is you're right you're right it's i think we'd fit a lot of places but i don't i don't think 
hey, we've been tested with the pure, like, you know, horns up metal bands, but I don't, I don't know if, I don't, I don't know. The future is wide open and bright, and I guess we'll find out. i tell you who I would like to see you guys open for is, uh, with it. is My Morning Jacket. Are you familiar with them? I do know them. I, I can't say that I'm, I'm a student of their uh, well, discography at the, all. Jim James, the lead singer, is a huge metalhead. And I hear that about the Mountain Goats guy, too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, th- I think uh, I think y'all would – I think I think they're – you know, obviously my morning jacket is more of a uh, – I don't, I don't know really how you would kind of classify them, uh, somewhat of a jam well, band, like, some psychedelic. But I really think their fans would, would really enjoy – I've seen them several times, and they always have very unique openers that really don't have anything to do with their music. And uh, – I think you guys would fit in perfect with them. They're uh, they're like Wilco, right? Like they're considered or, or Flaming Lips, where they're considered like kind of indie, kind of jam, but like also like they're they're kind of the template for like the all indie rock scene of yeah. like present day, correct? Yeah, yeah, and they have yeah. you know they have a little bit of a country tinge to them, a little bit of psychedelic jam band. Some of it's uh, funk, you know. Um, well, y- y'all are I guess technically an indie uh, metal band, and one of the things that Chris and I uh, talk about a lot is on our podcast you know is the music business today or or actually what's left of the music business um what's it like in you know in today's environment to try to make a living you know in, in the music industry because you know 20 years ago the model was completely different than it is now so i suppose that's an excellent question because being a student of the music business that's what i went to college for i learn the most from just joining a band and touring and i think that you'll find that story every time you ask someone about that question um instead of being the bummer i go the complete opposite i'm very optimistic about it because the playing field is somewhat leveled because it while anyone in the world can start a band because they have a laptop not every band gets in a van and does it more than once because it's fucking hard. Like you see, like people talk about oversaturation. That's true, but only to a point, the amount of people that are willing to get in a van and really like slog it out is not a lot. Um, and I know that no one's paying 20 or $16 for a CD anymore, but we, although I grew up in that, I never was a band that, that required that. Um, Asteroid is very smart business-wise. Uh, we're very tight with everything. Um, none of us are making a living off the band yet, but if we're on the road, the band the band makes money, the band can function. Um, so it's just about building the business that we have uh, and growing it. Um, I don't think any of us have illusions of we're going to buy huge houses with the band, um, but I think a lot of the bands that complain about not making money are the same bands that I see making mistakes on tour and uh, mismanaging their money. And that's none of my business, but I see it um, in bands, um, not necessarily with Asteroid, but bands we've toured with before where, you know, I, I kind of know what you're getting paid. I kind of know what your overhead is. Why are you in a bus? Why are you in a bandwagon? Why are, why is your hospitality bill so big? It's like, it's, Asteroid isn't like that. We're lean, we're mean, we know where every cent goes, and I think that bands that, um, that complain about that or, or use that as a tentpole are, are um, 
are kind of mismanaging where they're at, you know? Um, <clears throat> and it's also not about, to, like, don't take a $200,000 advance if that still even exists, you know? Like, it's, it's do it yourself. That's what we do. And, uh, and, and hope the record does really well because that's when you, that's when you see back in, you know? And, um, I think it's about, it's about shifting your perspective in the climate that we have right now and not using streaming as a way to make money. Of course it can be, um, and, and of course the percentages can be better and as, as, as companies get better market share, hopefully bands get bigger percentages of that, but uh, that's the biggest selling point that bands have right now is, sorry if you hear that beeping in the background, um, the, that's the biggest selling point bands have right now is, you know, Facebook likes don't matter, Twitter likes don't matter, um, it's all about engagement, and it's all about, like, what does your Spotify look like, you know, um, what are the tours you're getting on, when you play headlining shows, what does that look like, you know, it's all about, it's much more about that, and um, everyone knows that you have to tour to make a living now and you know you build that business and if you're lucky and you can get a good deal then um you know you still you still can make a living and i know people that do make livings uh even if you're up to five six guys in a band and um i think it's just a changing of the model that people are very slowly adopting honestly that's how we got here in the first place these big major labels unwilling to not only accept streaming but take the horns and say, Hey, this is our streaming platform. Let's make this the way we want it and, and dictate the way it's going to go rather than trying to sell their catalogs off to other companies or, you know, um, frankly, pimping out their huge artists to these insane deals that only they're making money. And then the artists are trying to develop, get nothing thrown to the wolves really. So, um, I'm frankly excited. I know you don't get that a lot. Maybe you weren't expecting that, but I'm excited about it. Well, you know, I was listening to, uh, I think it was Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, he had uh, Billy Corgan on a couple of weeks ago. Ah, uh, crazy, crazy Billy. <laughs> and Billy was saying that kind of one of the dirty little secrets is a lot of times the record companies are pimping the artists out to, like, Spotify, and they're getting, like, basically buying in, getting equity with, like, Spotify and, and Rhapsody and the other streaming services. Um, but Chris and I are, are, are if you if you follow if you follow us on Twitter now, you'll see that we end pretty much every tweet with hashtag buy music. We're big proponents of buying music. Uh, I know C CDs are about to go the way of the dodo bird, and uh, I've recently started getting into vinyl. Are, are you a vinyl guy? So it's funny that you say that. Um, that I I also actually on the last astronaut tour I, I I listened to that Billy Corgan. Um, podcast but he's right smashing pumpkins they have a diamond record i don't know if you guys know that that's a 10 million uh on one record certificate and um with those bands it's easy for mc or not mca anymore but it's basically you know island atlantic columbia sony uh and it's like yeah we'll give you lady gaga and the smashing pumpkins and metallica and you'll give us a greater share of you know controlling who goes out blah 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 but um yeah vinyl i uh i love vinyl i started buying vinyl way back when you say cds are going the way of the dodo um brett and i combined probably have five thousand cds because that's what we did when we were kids i got summer jobs started when i was 14 and i would spend my money on music so i am completely of the mind of supporting artists always and forever um but for vinyl i probably have 100 vinyl i sold a lot of them but 
I have my favorite records and others on vinyl. Um, and I think I, I love the medium, you know, you ask like, you know, how do you get into bands? And we're, we're old enough, but young enough to still understand what it was like to go buy a CD, look in the liner notes, find a band. And if, you know, a couple of bands had cross-checked this band, you go blind, buy the CD. And when you're blind buying, buying a CD for 13 to $20, it's funny on Spotify, you can listen to two songs and decide whether you like that band or not. Back in like the you know late nineties, early two thousands, if you only had twenty dollars to spend and you bought a CD or two, you fucking listen to those CDs until you like them. Right? Do you know what I, I mean? I saw somebody else recently say that. You, you, it's like a commitment you make. You may not like it at first, but you really have no choice. You're stuck with it. You know? No, but and like there, there are one song and you're done with it. Uh, you might not even get to a song though. That's the problem with that but i do i do but it goes back to the saturation point i was talking about a little a little while ago where it's like something really has to grab you and if it grabs you it grabs you and um there's some there's some i don't want to say hard science but um there's um a tangential buddy of mine called uh his name's jesse cannon he wrote a book on get more fans and and has done a lot of research into um what it takes for someone to get into a band nowadays and really what you need is it's not co-sign from the media or public figures it's you need the co-sign from friends you need the co-sign from your peers you need the co-sign from bands that you respect and um they figured out that it takes if if you see a, a a band that you know is 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 kind of a buzz band right if you see their record or someone talking about them, it takes four or five times before you finally hit play. So it's not even about, do you go to their record to hit play and listen to that one song? It's about how do you even get to that artist's page in the first place to even consider pressing play? And that's, that's where the major fight is now. Do you know what I mean? Well, and it's, it's yeah. we, we like that you guys are touring so much. Well, Chris and I were talking the other night about you know, some bands that have really built their following by doing that. And we came up with like uh, uh, a band from Memphis for where Chris is from, Lucero, and then the Drive-By Truckers and uh, Amer- American Aquarium were the three that we've come up with that just really got out there and just hit the road and just, you know, uh, go from playing to 20 to 30 people in, you know, a year or two, they're playing, you know, to 2,500 people. And uh, I, I just think the, the way you guys are doing it's the right way. Yeah, I mean, we don't. We also don't want to overstay our welcome. But I mean, we. I mean, we're still touring on air. Like we're still getting offered tours, and we're not in a position to turn those down. And because we are, um, for the exception of three of them, we've been opening all the tours. You know, even though we're completely pounding people in the face with our music, it's it's the idea is we're 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 hitting different demographics and different. Um, fan bases so if this was just all pure head say we're a huge band we wouldn't be touring this much but we're not going to say no to you know good offers and and good opportunities so i love where we're at right now you know it feels like every time we get on stage we're fighting and and that's i love that i love it it's such a good challenge he mentioned american aquarium i don't know if you've heard them but i've seen them play to you know just a handful of people and now they are getting just starting to get a really big following. I mean, they've toured just relentlessly. Um, like you mentioned, Lucero. You know, I mean, those guys, I don't know if you're familiar with Lucero. I mean, I know you guys... I'll tell you a funny Lucero. story about about Lucero. Um, the first time I played that venue in Memphis, 
that night Viscar played with a uh, old uh, screamo band called the Saddest Landscape in the back room at that place in Memphis, and Lucero played the other room. Oh wow! That you saw that you saw Asteroid in. So yeah, so I can say that I have seen Lucero. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, they of course they built up such a huge ball. And there's even a DVD about them, their life on the road, and now I mean they they, they played. I don't know if you've been by any chance been to Terminal West in Atlanta, but it's you know, it's a pretty good sized venue. I mean, they when they did their live album, it was recorded off of they put it together off of three shows back to back to back. They were all sold out. You know, that's they probably, sell, they probably sell eight records, but yeah. They they sell out places. I saw they played. I saw them at Riot Fest, and that night they played. Um, they played. They had a uh, club show that night in Chicago. Riot Fest sold out. Yeah, in Chicago. I mean, and that's and that's where that's where I mentioned that like it's not really. I mean, record sales can still turn heads for sure, but um, you know, it's really about the concerts. I mean, we talk about AFI. That's a band with two platinum records and three gold records, and you know. I think when the Blood album came out, they sold like thirty thousand records. Which, if you backtracked ten years, that was that would have been a horrible showing. But they still, you know, they play Red Rocks, and now they're gonna they're going on tour with Rise Against, and they're gonna play Red Rocks again. Like, um, you know, it's it's the 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 business has completely changed, and um, it's it's funny, like. Metal is an interesting thing because people still do buy music. You mentioned a band like Mastodon, like that band. Even though they're they're probably in the hole selling less records, their first weeks are are always their biggest first week because even though they're not selling like I think when Crack the Sky came out, it sold like sixty thousand records first week. They might have had like a ten a number ten record. The last one, Emperor of Sand, sold maybe thirty thousand, but they had like a number four or five record. You know, so it's like it's almost leveling the playing field where a band like Mastin or Deftones might have a number re- number one record first week. And to people that don't really know, that's like, OK, in America, you literally have the number one record this week, even though in sales wise, even with streaming combined, it's like it's it's a fraction of what those bands would sell first week a decade or two ago. So it's like oh, kind of it's a super exciting time to be a band if you can. If you can, I don't know, play in that ballpark. You talk about the business changing. Yeah, I'm, David knows this. He's been invited to do this too. Of course, he's in Jackson, Mississippi. But we have one of our mutual buddies. He has. I don't know if you've heard of this guy, Rocky Votolato. Hell yeah, uh, baby. Okay. Well, he's playing. He's. Have you, do you know the, about the living room shows that he does? Yeah, of course. I uh, was supposed to go to one uh, one night, and I. You know, dumb things came up, and I, I wasn't able to go to that. But um, now Rocky wasn't in the Blood Brothers, right? His brother was in the Blood Brothers. They're from I'm Washington. Not, I, I, he's from yeah, he's from Washington. I know he was You're a right. punk man before, but I don't know. I'm not familiar with this word prior to that. So right. But but yeah, my buddy's hosting uh, next month, and so I was like, wow, man. You think about it, that seems so odd. But I guess you got little overhead, and not paying out to a club in any way and if you can do that i mean he probably make pretty good living doing it and he's not paying other band members and he's touring he's touring in a van you know that's asteroids model we bought our van we bought our trailer and that's what we're in you know so i think he normally tours with his wife i think she usually runs his merch every time he has his wife that's right i listen there's an awesome podcast called uh off the um going off track uh they're based in new york and um they had him on and they explained the entire um, 
situation with that. And they also have David Bazan. I don't know if he's from a band called Pedro Lion who does that. And also Matt Pryor from the Get Up Kids from, uh, from Kansas. Um, he does the same thing. You know, these basement, like if you have any sort of notoriety and you can do these living room shows or basement shows for very low overhead, I mean, if you have any sort of a following, that's absolutely uh, a model that you can follow. I mean, again, you're slugging it out. It's not glorious, but I don't think anyone that really wants to be in a band got in it for anything glorious, you know? But if you can do that, you can do it for a month. Like, he's doing pretty much every night for about a month. You do that yeah. in a few months, and, yeah. you know, you probably pulled in a pretty good, you know, probably can have a decent yeah. W2 that year. Yeah, like, livable, you know? If you only are responsible for you, your wife, and a kid, I mean, that's like, yeah, it's not a 9 to 5, but you fucking make it work. It's definitely workable. It's just people have these illusions of, of you know, GNR, man, like, you gotta, you gotta, you sign a publishing deal in the millions, and you know you can get a fucking penthouse before your first record comes out. I think that people are just disillusioned, and 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 the tales of the past and the sex, drugs, and rock and roll is it, it, it's so it's so um, it's so ingrained in the zeitgeist that people forget that this can also be a working man's game too. You know, it's like not everyone's in it for fortune and fame. I mean, I don't doubt that there's a element that you get in stage every night and like there's a there's definitely an element of ego to that but at the end of the night you're just the same as anyone that's in the audience so it's you can still do this and and make a living and be a humble person you don't have to be a psychopath you know to to get on stage every night well you said that you said that y'all keep getting pulled on tours um are you do you have time are you guys working on on a new album i mean Right now, as I said, we're still, like, if we could have put out a record this month, I would have loved to do that, but, I mean, air took us so long, and it's like, every time you get itchy, and it's like, all right, we're going to go play the same song, but, like, you really have to put it into perspective, because it's like, people still haven't heard this record, so before we put out anything new, why wouldn't you still want to... I mean, we're, it's not affecting our touring business. We're still getting tours, and it's been incredible. And I, I know we're super fortunate. And we're very lucky. Uh, but, yeah, we're focused on air right now, you know. So, um, you know, who, who knows what happens in 2018 and 2019. But um, we're always writing. But nothing – we have no plans right now. We're just – we're uh, head down, focused into air. Well, as we kind of wind down on this, we kind of already talked about how we just got, you know, you and I just kind of got in this music conversation. And I could, when I reached out to you, I was like, yeah, man, let's just talk music. Let's talk. As we've gone through asking you stuff, I think we've been talking music all the way through. And you've already hit on so many of the bands, you know, that that I love. You know, when you talk about, you mentioned Alkaline Trio, and that is absolutely one of my favorite bands. And I was just, I think it was just last night I was thinking about it. Oh, wait a minute, it's April. I think I'm supposed to get that Blu-ray reset. I don't know if you know about that, but they, you know, we're in Chicago, they played every single album. Dude, they did that in Boston. They did the four nights and we were on tour and all my friends got to go. And in Brighton Music Hall, which we've played, there are posters up there and like, I'm so salty about it. And of course, as a touring musician, you want to talk about the business. When they announced that, it was just between tours. It was just after Christmas. And I was like, I have no money. It was right after, like, you know, Valentine's Day and birthdays and fucking and, and Christmas. And I was like, oh, my God. Do you know how bad I want that, like, good morning and crimson? I might still order it, but um, just those DVDs. Man, that was, like, that was a box set that, of all box yeah. sets that eluded me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, ordered, I ordered that set. And I'm super excited. But, I man, I love everything Skiba touches. You know, we've been... 
the demos record is one of my favorite things he's put out. You know that. that well, what about what about what, about what about what about his two solo records, the Babylon and um, what was it, Cuts? Cuts is the one that I really like. Yeah, yeah I ba- mean, Babylon was closer to trio, but Cuts is just yeah, insane. Cuts Cuts is more of his new wave thing, but Babylon was like, I don't know, I'm uh, we could we could do two hours of the trio by themselves, but um, yeah, Skiba uh, Skiba is an interesting thing for me especially because i saw them i saw him with blink uh summer or two ago um man i i love everything that dude does and uh even the lineage of outline trio but like i'm not gonna front like the dan songs dan andriano and Derek grant like i take trio as an actual trio even though skiba seems to get like the spotlight but yeah i mean well, but to me the best thing and the best thing dan andriano has done is hurricane season Hurricane Hurricane season was so good, um, and man, I, Dan sent out a tweet because he played some shows with Dave Haas uh, this past week in Southern California, and he's like, "Well, he sent out this cryptic tweet like, oh, stay in a few weeks in Southern California,' and obviously Blink's not doing anything, so the rumor is they're writing for Alkaline Trio, which would be like, God. fuck, that would just that would that would fuck me up. But um, yeah, I think Trio Trio is probably the band I've seen the most times in my life besides saves a day. I think if I had to, if, if I really thought about concerts, I've seen, um, I've seen trio so many times. I've never even seen them. They've never played anywhere near here. Anywhere. I've been, I've been, I've been lucky because I'm, I am on a coast. So we, we do get the majority of, of, uh, of concerts. So, well, it's just like them putting out new records. You know, I, I was, I don't know if you heard, are you a, uh, are you a Chuck Reagan guy? Dude, you kidding me? Of course, I'm a Chuck Reagan guy, a Hot Water music guy too. Because I, lo- I was one of those that loved that last Hot Water music record. It was like, man, they're back. They're back. It, it was. It was. I was telling somebody like not too long ago. It's a little bit different. He, it was actually when it first came out. I was telling. I was telling this guy. He was actually working the merch table at an American Aquarium show. I said, it's a little bit different. I said, it's 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 kind of positive and all. I, and he's like, because he felt, man, I forgot that came out. I said, it's a little positive, more uplifting. Like, I don't know that I'm gonna like that. I was like, but it works, you know. I said, there's actually there's even harmonies on the record. I love it. It's well, one of my I, favorite artists. I well, I love I love Chuck um, in general, but and I've always loved Hot Water Music because they were like they were like tough guy outline trio, and I didn't get them all the way. But in 2012, they put out my record of the year and was Exister, and um, ever since then, I was like, oh. And then I revisited all my old Hot Water records and i was like i get it now you know because i was like a fan of against me and um you know gaslight anthem and all that kind of shit but then you go back and you listen to um hot water music and you're like oh these are the guys that blew off the door for all those bands to come up and do their thing and then and then you listen to chuck solo stuff and it's like do you guys follow the hard times it's like that uh, punk rock parody account on twitter no, but I'm gonna write it down because I don't know what it is. Dude, it's it's the fu- it's so. Do you guys know the Onion? Yeah. yeah. They're the punk rock equivalent of the Onion, where it's like they write they write headline. It's 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 super specific to the punk scene, but you guys will laugh your ass off. One of them was hardcore frontman biding time until he starts his acoustic side project, and it's just a it's a picture of Chuck with a harmonica <laughs> and 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 acoustic guitar, and it's it's just funny because it's like it, it, it there's an element of truth to it, but it's also like. It's 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 so funny. So well, funny. see, Gold Country is one of my favorite albums. Dude, Period. Gold Country. So, what was the one before that with uh, 
I saw Fallon last week in New Orleans, and Chris and I are one of the handful of people fortunate enough to actually get tickets to see them in uh, Chicago in August when they play uh, 59 Sound all the way through. Dude, 59 Sound, when that came out, that's like, when people like talk about music touchstones or milestones, I was in college, I was 18, I was freshly 18, and that record came out, and it blew a hole in the scene, and it's just like, it reminded me of like, Saves the Day or, or AFI or, or even when Alkaline Trio started to blow up, things that I was a part of. And it's just like, I've almost never seen a record catch fire like that. And it's like, it was wild to see, you know? And I was listening to this Fallon album when it came out, the day it came out. Um, you know, I try to make it a point to, if I'm going to listen to a record, not to passively listen to it, but like, don't do anything else. Put in your headphones and listen to it like, I mean, don't listen in the dark, but don't have TV on. Don't be doing anything else. Just be sitting there with yourself and listening to the record. And I was, I don't know if you guys agree with me. I feel like the new Brian Fallon album went kind of under the radar. If that was a Gaslight Anthem record, there are legitimate hits on that record. People would be losing their fucking minds about it. David, that was what you, when you first heard it, you're saying, man, this, there's a lot of Gaslight on Oh, yeah, one. especially like uh, the song Neptune. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. uh, I think it's like song number 10. I mean, that's straight up Gaslight. And then uh, Forget Me Not sounds like something that could have been on American Slang. Dude, uh, yeah, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, it, those would have been bona fide Gaslight hits. And I'm glad they're doing their thing in their back. And I know, like, so the, the, the podcast I had mentioned going off track, Benny, the, the drummer, is yeah. a host of that is often a host of that podcast and he talks about it once in a while and it's like it's the same old story it's like band exploded then all of a sudden they play with bruce springsteen then they're on letterman and it's like what the fuck do you do after that and i think they're all like i don't know like what to do now yeah i was i was fortunate enough i saw them when uh oddly enough my uh, my cousin and i yeah we saw some good shows when we go to new york we uh, we um we saw them. It ended up being their last tour. We didn't know that, but it was, um, yeah, they played, uh, they played Webster Hall. Oh, and, hell yeah. So they played a smaller show. It, 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 I mean, it was, you could hardly even, I mean, you go get a beer and good luck getting back to anywhere near where you are. Um, no, but, like, but, but for them, they chose to play a smaller venue. I mean, they could have played the, they could have played the Hall at Radio City Music Hall. Yeah, they played, That's how they played, that the, band was. they played Webster and then like, I think they played, they went somewhere else and they came back two or three nights later and they played, um, uh, Terminal 5, which is, 
Yeah. That's the most horrible venue. That's like the most horrible venue. See, that's like, yeah, I, everyone tells me that, that I'm friends with from New York, but like, I, like, one of my favorite DVDs is this Kobe DVD where they played all their records, and they played at Terminal 5, and it sounds incredible, and Dillinger Escape Plan had all of their farewell shows there, and everyone was like, yo, come to New York, I got comp tickets, blah, 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 I got guest lists, and I was like, couldn't make it, but like, it was all at Terminal 5, so, and it's just blind spot, but... you, can't, you can't really see. It's just loaded with blind spots. I don't, you'd, you'd have to, you'd have to say, put it this way. I'm, I'm not. I, I would try. I would, I would try to avoid, avoid going to see a show there. You know. So, so, just, so, so you're, you're not coming to see us at Terminal Five then? Is what you're saying? I mean, if I were in New York, I guess I'd have to go ahead and go by there. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no. Another one too, David. I think I got David into mentioned uh, Dave Oz. You know. I mean, I've, I'm I've probably like you love the loved ones and. Yeah, you know, his his last. I mean that that uh, devour is just mind blowingly good. I I I, I haven't listened to it, um, but I saved it to my Spotify a few days ago. Someone brought up Dave Haas, and I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I always sleep on Dave Haas. I know it's unfair to him and everything. Of course, I love the loved ones, and um, and I always I always sleep on the solo stuff, and I know it's bad, but I saved it all my Spotify the other day, so. Um, I'm going to make time. Well, we're going on tour soon, so I'll have as much time as yeah, possible. So Listen to listen to Devour, and uh, you know, and then the other stuff, like, you're, I mean, it's like you're huge into it. I've tried to, I was hoping to get, uh, I don't know, David, we never really followed up on it, how much of um, how much of a dream car ended up being a gateway drug for you for a new wave. I know you're going to try to give it another world. Um, oh, yeah. It, it was, I, know uh, start, uh, I, I know you started buying up some records. I was telling him stuff to buy. And he, he what were you telling him to buy? Your, you know, Joy Division, The Cure, uh, Depeche yeah, Mode. Joy Division, Joy, Joy Division, well, Depeche Mode is its own thing. I mean, Depeche Mode, you can't lose, but Joy Division is tough. Like, Ian Curtis, I get it. Like, I get the imagery. I get everything. Joy Division is a tough band to go back on if you weren't, like, a part of it. Of course, I wasn't a part of it because when you go to New Order, you're like, oh, my God, this is, to me, it's so much better. You know, it's like... I agree. So, so Joy Division's tough, but... Um, Funny story about New Order, uh, Asteroid's first show in Brooklyn ever uh, was at St. Vitus, and um, we had a couple of our friends' bands opening up. This was last February, and uh, they had the, they got kicked off the show because Peter Hook of New Order was doing a book signing, and uh, and uh, like like kind of a, not a symposium, but he was doing like a Q&A, like storytelling thing, and he went so long that we had to kick two of our friends' bands off the bill, and then we had to play the show. <laughs> Oh wow! Well, so that's my one, my one funny Peter uh, New New Order uh, story, I guess. Well, Casey. Yeah, I mean. Oh, go ahead. Chris. I'm sorry. Go ahead, David. No, no you go. Ahead. Well, I was just gonna, I was gonna say, Casey. Uh, uh, we really appreciate you know all your time, and and we we kind of like to do a rapid fire segment with people uh, at the end of uh, all the interviews we do. So, you actually answered our first question earlier when you said the first album you bought was janet jackson so i'm gonna i'm gonna call an audible here and ask you a different question sure yeah what's the strangest thing that's ever happened to you during a gig the strangest thing that's ever happened to me during a gig oh man i have a really dark answer to that but i'm trying to i'm trying to keep it light and make um all right, so what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you during a gig? Say again? What, all right, then what's the funniest thing that's ever happened to you during a gig? 
funniest thing that's ever happened to me during a gig. Um, uh, you know, you know when you play like you like it, it, the minute I get off the phone, I'll think of it for sure. But right now, because I'm trying to like cram years and years and years of work. All right, so. And I'd have to take it back to, like, when we were kids. This kid tried to do one of those, like, you know how, like, in the early 2000s, like, spinning your guitar was really cool? Right. Um, he tried to spin his guitar, and his guitar broke and flew into a piano and broke the piano and broke his guitar. <laughs> and that, I still laugh about that to this day, so I'm going to have to, I'll give it up to that. That had to have been embarrassing. It was, it was ri- ridiculous. Oh, my God. It was so embarrassing because the show, I don't want to say it didn't matter, but, like, going all out for their show it's like something you'd watch on youtube like those cringe compilations it was oh so bad i'm, I'm red in the face right now thinking about it <laughs> so uh this one might be a little bit difficult where i kind of have a feeling what this what kind of direction it might go in but what's your favorite album if you had to holy shit man now, i don't know if i could answer the question myself oh god man like i I always tell people, like, what's your favorite album? I was going to say, we didn't even have to go artist by artist. We at least have to go genre by genre. I'll give you two because they're fresh in my mind. Um, Sing the Sorrow by F.I. just turned 15, and that record completely changed my life, so I'll throw that one out there. But honestly, um, I'll also give it to Smith's um, Hatful Hollow. That, well, see, that's what I was always going to ask you. I said, if I'm going to make it easy for you, I was going to say, what's your favorite Smith record? That's what I was going to do. Mine's actually yeah. Strange Ways. But. No, well, no, that that makes sense. Um, I think everyone has a different entry point to the Smiths, but for me, like, I could easily say Queen is dead, but those John Peel sessions on Patsula Hollow is like, they're, they have so much energy and, and rawness than the cuts on, uh, you know, the first Smiths record or anything else. So I'll probably say, yeah, that's what I'd say. All right. All right. I know. As such a Morrissey and Smiths fan, it always feels like I'm copping out by giving a comp record, but I really feel like that's what that's my pick. So who is your favorite band of all time? Jeez, that's like as hard as the... <laughs> that's, that's as hard as the album. See, I, thought that was, I thought that was going to be the Smiths. No, I do. I I often do give it to the Smiths, um, but we've already delved into so much. That's a, just a, yeah. I mean, I would say the Smiths for sure. I think, um, and my thesis for that is like everyone's like, "Hey, man, do you like the Beatles?" And I go, "No," and I try, but like the Smiths were only active for four years. Name a band that wrote no bad songs in four years in quicker time and made a bigger impact in cultural history. I I can't think of one. Like I know I know the Beatles changed the world, but they had more time and more resources, but they were also forging their way. I get it. It's a big argument. I see the Smiths. All right. Now, we talked a lot about your touring, different different bands you're touring with. What's a dream package? And it doesn't matter. You can be the headliner or whatever. What's a dream package? Jeez, dream package. Um, does it have to be alive or dead or just or present? We'll keep it present. That'll be easier. Present, yeah. Oh, dream package. Okay. Uh, it's going to be Astronoid. Uh, definitely not headlining. Uh, it's going to be Metallica. It's going to be... Oh, God. Oh, Saves the Day. Probably. Um, probably Mastodon. Also. Jeez, um, this is hard. It has to be a festival. Like, you know, you, 
No, do you know how The Cure is doing, like, Nine Inch Nails, My Bloody Valentine, Deftones, like, Glassjaw, Quicksand, and The Cure? It'd be like that, but throw us on there with a couple of bands that I would choose as well. All right. <laughs> Last question. If you could play in oh, any, any other band, what, mm-hmm. who would it be? If I could play in any other band, who would it be? Yeah. Ugh. I mean... Probably Metallica. Good answer. Probably Metallica. Yeah, I think I I, I think I could breathe some life into that band. <laughs> that'd be that'd be good too, right? I did like people say I'm Jason Newstead because of that haircut I had a few years ago, but I'd be playing guitar, so it'd be like, yeah, I think Metallica. I think I'm playing Metallica. It, it would so, be, man. You, they need they need uh they need some life brought back into them. Hey, if you're still at that age and you're ripping gigs, I totally get it. But I think I'd play Metallica. I mean, I already know songs. So, like, so Casey, pretty, pretty, much, pretty much everybody that we've asked that question that's been on this podcast has said the Foo Fighters. So it's a, it's, it's a welcome change to hear somebody say somebody other than the Foo Fighters. Even Graves said the Foo Fighters. Yeah, Graves said the Foo never, Fighters. I would never want to be in the Foo Fighters. What's my purpose in that? Like, if you think about it, like, like... I love Taylor and Chris and um, what's the guy's name for the terms? Pat and, and the guy from Sunny Day. It's like he got everyone that was in the best of every band. They were in great bands. You're, you're, you're right. You're, you're, I, I think that the people that he got, like Chris is from uh, No Use for a Name and other bands. Like I think all the bands he got were in better bands than he was in. And I love Nirvana, but like the Foo Fighters, it's like that could just be Dave. And like there's an element of that that's good. But like let's be honest. Foo Fighters write great hits. Do they write great records besides Color in the Shape and a few others? David and I always say they are, to us, just our opinion, to us, they're an average rock band. I, I completely agree, but I, and I, I don't want, I don't even want to say that out loud because I don't want to get me or any of my friends in trouble, but I agree with that. I don't want to be in Foo Fighters. You play 20 hits in a row. I want to be in fucking Metallica. I want to play Creeping Cats. I want to play Ride the Lightning. I want to play Call of Cthulhu. I want to play fucking metal militia. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I want to. I, I want to play deep cuts. I'm getting my head until I'm dead. You know what I mean? Well, Casey, we uh, we can't thank you enough for for taking time out uh, to talk to us. It's it's has been a very fun, entertaining, uh, actually very easy interview to uh, to conduct. And if you ever want to come on in the future and just talk music with us, man, you've got our info. Just hit us up, and we'll be glad to uh, glad to have you on. That's up to you guys. I had a pleasure, uh, well, it was my pleasure to be on this, and thank you guys for allowing me the time that you did. Um, you can clearly tell that I would talk to music. If we had a 24-hour podcast, I would do that. So, um, yeah. I, we, honestly, we probably could do the same, too. Yeah. We'll we yeah. run out of recording for, you know, we'll, but we'll yeah. have to pick so, it up again, man. I, I, and I would just say, anybody, you know, listening, check out this band, Astronauts. You're not going to be disappointed. It's different. It's, it's, uh, how can we say it's beautifully bizarre? It's, uh, I, I love that. No one's ever said that's beautifully bizarre. Will, will you allow me to plug our tour that we have coming up? Sure. Yeah, please. Will you do that? I, I'm sorry to be so self promotional, no. but starting uh, April 19th, we're at the Paradise in Boston, Massachusetts, and then we embark on a five week tour with uh, Tesseract, who has a brand new album coming out uh, April 20th, and give Australian um, darling Pliny. Uh, five weeks all across the United States and Canada. You can find dates on any of our pages or just Googling it. So um, love to see you 
come out, that would be great. Yeah, and, and meet the guys and tell them you heard about them on our podcast. That would uh, that would be great. Uh, if you could, Casey, hang on the phone for just a second, and uh, Chris oh, and I go. Chris and I gonna give you some info. Uh, we do want to tell everybody to follow us on Twitter at Digital Killed, and like I said, subscribe on iTunes or SoundCloud. And uh, Chris and I will be back with us, uh, back with you probably in about two weeks. We've got a, a cool event we're going to be going to in Memphis, and it uh, looks like we're going to have some access to some uh, some uh, some artists there. So uh, we hope everybody has a good week. Take care.